So, welcome back. Another uh, episode. We made it to 30, man. That's kind of exciting. It's like milestones. Yeah, I mean... It's a year younger than I am now. Well, we go by episodes compared to years. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, happy belated birthday, you know? And I mean, by the time this posts, it'll be uh, a little late, but uh, did you have a good one? Yeah, man. I had a nice old man birthday where I didn't do anything all day. Well, I went to work. I guess that's an old man birthday for you. Yeah, you can tell you're you're in the old man birthdays when you actually go to work. <laughs> the kids were more excited, you know, that, oh, dad has a birthday. Like, Let's do birthday stuff for dad. So that was nice. And then, like, dad, where do you want to go to dinner? I'm like, let's go get sushi. And they're like, no, we don't like sushi. Well, I'm like, okay, well, then I'll just take one of you. <laughs> the rest of you can stay here. <laughs> is is there just one kid that likes the sushi or or there's two that do so it's actually one that doesn't like it for some reason i don't know man it changes every day um she likes something one day and then she hates something the next day all of them are kind of like finicky like that but uh usually it's a majority that that do like it so we can go uh the wife and i especially like it so we try to go whenever we can like force them to go we'll go <laughs> but Tomorrow is our normal pastry day, so that'll be that'll be nice. Looking forward to that. Are you into the rolls, or are you like a uh, what is it? Shashimi. Shashimi. Uh, shashimi. Yeah, the like just raw fish. I'm very much a roll guy. Um, my wife will do sashimi all day long, so Alex loves it. But um, I think she ruined me when I first had it because it was just this big piece of salmon and ugh, salmon. Raw salmon, no, thank you. Like I think some good like tuna, like I could, I could, I could do, like yellowtail, like I, I can live with that. But salmon, that's too much. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a fan of rolls at all. Actually, I, I'm much more a fan of the uh, just the raw fish. Let's just you know cut to the chase. So that's that's definitely my thing. No, I want like flavors. Like I love rice, you know. So the rice and you know, it soaks up all the nice soy sauce and wasabi and oh, it's so good. And then you get crab and you get some avocado and you get some of this, you get some of that. Like you can get kind of like adventurous, right? And I feel like sashimi, it's like, okay, here's a piece of fish. You know, it's like, yeah, that piece of fish might be good, but there's only so many directions you can kind of go with that. But a roll, it's like, you can kind of get a little bit of everything in there, right? It's like a sandwich. It's the, it's the Japanese burrito. <laughs> Very true. Uh, speaking of the, uh, if, is there a uh, Berto's in the uh, Japanese culture? That you, <laughs> you just go to any uh, Berto's, like your uh, burrito rant? Oh, you know, so so sushi's kind of funny. Like, um, there, there are places that, like I used to go to, like I'm sure you went to, like, you know, the same places when we lived in the same area. But there's a couple of really good ones, but they're over the hill and, you know, in the valley. So I'm like, I don't want to like on a Friday night, drive over the valley and then drive back, you know, I'm like becoming like the super old man. Like I don't want to drive at night, you know, and I can take the bus, you know, but I don't, I don't want to. So there's, there's one that's really close to our house, which is consistent and the people are really nice. And it's been like family owned for a long time. So we usually just go to that one and everyone's super friendly. You know, we've been there enough times where they kind of recognize us when we walk in. So we just go there. I mean, but to answer your question, like there's not a Berto's where I can just go anywhere and it's going to be like good. You know, it's still 
still got to do some homework on Yelp just to make sure you're not walking into just eh, subpar sushi. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different culturally. It's not it doesn't work quite the same as the uh, the you know any Mexican food restaurant. It's like you can walk into and it's kind of hard to screw up the food. You know, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's harder. And um, yeah, I don't. I'm not as trusting with my raw fish. Let's just put it that way. I also feel like yeah, when you walk into you know Alberto's or you know insert name of you know, Mexican fast food restaurant here, you know, I, I feel like you know what you're getting into. Like, you're not looking for, like, a clean plate. You're not looking for something that's going to be, like, good. You're looking for something greasy, for something that's fried. You're looking for something that's going to, you know, fuck up your system. And uh, I, I don't I don't think that my, I don't have that mentality when I'm looking, you know, or feeling sushi, right? It's like sushi, I kind of want something, like, nicely prepared. I want something that's going to taste good. I want something that's going to be, like, Filling, but not super filling. You know, sushi full is very different than Mexican food full. Yeah, that's that's very true. It's a a very different kind of uh, you know eating, and and it's not heavy. You know, there's a time and a place for Mexican food, and there's a time and a place for sushi. And the two generally don't mix, if you ask me. <laughs> you never see like that combo. You know, well, no, you haven't. I guess that what's like the combo? It's like green burrito, Carl's Jr. and. Uh, What's the other one? The other one too is like a KFC and something else. Oh yeah, isn't it KFC and um? Well, I've seen a KFC. I think in a Pizza Hut or a something like that, right? Taco Bell or or Long John Silver, one of those. Ugh. <laughs> but I feel they try to marry the the two types of food where it's like, yeah, we we know what we offer, and we may or may not use the same oil to fry our shit. You know, like you know, you know what you want, <laughs> and I don't feel like. You wouldn't see, you know, the Mexican food and the sushi combo place. I feel like that would be a dangerous combination. Like if those two were in the same building, like that's when you turn around and walk the other way. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm skeptical of all those restaurants. Let's just put it that way. I mean, when you got to eat, you got to eat, you know. So if that's the only place around, like go for it, you know. But order cautiously. <laughs> order cautiously. What's the thing that would probably be the freshest? Yeah. What's the thing that they can't screw up? Can I get a queso dilla, please? Exactly. Anyway, um, so let's let's move on. In a little bit of uh, news for this week, um, Nice Cast, which is made by Rogue Amoeba, and I know we didn't really mention them when we talked about our, um, or we mentioned Rogue Amoeba, but we didn't talk about Nice Cast because we weren't really doing um, streaming when. Um, we recorded our episode about, uh, you know, just in general, we talked a little bit about how the podcast works and um, it, it's being sunsetted. So uh, after what, something like 15 years I read, they're, uh, they're putting an end to this. So uh, you have any thoughts on this, Adam? I, I, I think you know the why they're sunsetting this. Uh, you have, do you happen to know what's causing them to shut this down? Well, I think with any, you know, company sunsetting something, the last we had was what panic and transmit, right? Where, you know, transmit had gone so far on iOS. And then after that, it was like, Hey, you know, we're not making enough money on this to really justify these engineers spending all this time and effort on it when they could be working on our other products, you know, which are more successful. So as with anything, I think it's just a, a you know, depends on the market and depends on how well something is selling. But with nice guess in particular, it sounds like, as you know, platforms are moving to you know 64-bit mandatory, which 
let's be honest, we've been heading that way since what, 2000 and what, seven? Uh, but we've been going that way for a while. But now with, you know, operating systems being more aggressive with dropping full support for 32-bit apps, it, it's going to require some rejiggering for, for these, these companies that are making software that's kind of lower level, right? That, that's doing more on the kernel level, kind of more investment in the kind of hardware-specific code and getting down into the nitty-gritty. Whereas, you know, you have a, an application that runs on mostly, you know, dependent on the operating system frameworks, like, cool, you know, whatever. You, you don't really have to worry too much about making your app compatible because it's not as much of an undertaking as it is when you're writing your own frameworks and your own kernel extensions and things like that. So I, I can't speak for Rogue Amoeba, but what I can assume is like, hey, NiceCast was a product that's been out for a long time. It was at a really low price point, which is really attractive to a lot of people. But the undertaking in which they'd have to get this application up to snuff and then figure out you know, marketing for upgrade versions, this and that, like just wasn't worth it for them. We're like, hey, you know what? There are other solutions out there. Uh, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit. There aren't a lot of great ones, so people are kind of looking for the next thing. But it, it just made sense for them to kind of like say, hey, this is it. We're not going to do it anymore. But we kind of talk about this a little bit. You know, it's been a recurring theme is that everything's moving to more of a service base, right? So, you know, you pay Amazon for cloud storage. You pay so-and-so for music streaming. Like now you just pay someone else to, you know, stream your podcast for you or stream whatever audio you want out to everyone else. So. I think everything is slowly switching to the service-based thing. And like I said, for Rogue Amoeba, if they could have, you know, done just a little bit of work to get it 64-bit and, you know, charge an upgrade price, I'm sure they would have done it. But I'm sure there are some smart people there crunching the numbers and they either want to work on more important things or more exciting things. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of talked about this offline, Adam, but I, I know that we talked about that they have current apps that they're shipping that are 64-bit that can do this sort of thing. So it, it kind of, you know, makes sense for them to consider, you know, sunsetting this while it doesn't, you know, have any issues. But, um, you know, there comes a time and a place for everything. And, um, you know, some companies aren't willing to undertake the, you know, time required. I'm sure it would have taken, you know, some, you know, I don't know, a couple thousand hours of, of time or something like that to, uh, maybe even less than that. I don't know. It's, I mean, 64 bit is probably not that hard, but I'm sure if they were going to devote the time to it, they would have, you know, wanted to add more features and, and do all that. And anytime you do a big major update like that, I mean, what it was only on like 1.1 point something. So it hadn't been added to a lot in that long length of time that it had been out. So, you know, it probably would have required future dot updates and I think they just were ready to pull the plug on it. But, um, it's kind of sad to see them go because that's like a staple piece of software for the podcast industry. Yeah, it was it was a nice thing. And that's why you saw a bunch of articles come out about it, right? Because all the podcasts are like, oh, my God, like Rogue Amoeba, they're sunsetting NiceCast. And what are we going to use to stream? You know, like, how are we going to do our things? So I think, you know, it, it was loved by a lot of people. And it was built on, you know, an open source, you know, streaming server. So really, the only thing that they were packaging was the client front end to write the XML files for the channel or the broadcast config, and then the kernel extension to reroute the audio and everything else was open source. So it's like, well, when you think about it, you know, they're not doing that much, but the stuff that they're doing just doesn't justify the price point. Cause yeah, we, we talked about, they make other software that will let you, you know, create other kernel extensions and loop back to whatever auto you want. And it sells at a much higher price point than NiceCast did where 
Nicecast was very, I guess, targeted, right? It was it was served a very specific need. They're kind of like, well, we have this other application that will do that and five thousand other things. Where that's where we dedicate a lot of our other time. Like, why don't we just spend more time doing that? Not have to worry about putting this thing in maintenance mode or you know, continuing to worry if things break. And let's just focus on you know the stuff that's going to be more versatile. Oh, that totally makes sense. Well, I guess we should move on to some uh, follow-up. And uh, I guess I, at this moment, it escapes me where this actually, uh, this, this comment came up. But um, I, I think we've talked about before that I listen to the podcast um, after Adam has edited everything. And I was listening this week, and there's sometimes times during the show where we're going back so fast, you know, between each other, we're it's back and forth and back and forth. And, and I miss something or, or Skype drops out for a half second and I just miss that word or whatever. And, um, I think I missed this line last week cause I totally would have called Adam on it, <laughs> but Adam said he, uh, he, he doesn't want to like look under the skirt, I think of the podcast, I think was the reference. And, um, and I, I was like, Whoa, Whoa, this is like a total, like a me too violation right now. Uh, Adam's getting all, uh, all sexual here. So, uh, Adam, uh, you, uh, you throwing, I'm throwing some shade your way. Yeah. So the exact quote was Lou, I always feel like you want to, you know, like look under the skirt of the podcast because you always wanted to like peek behind the curtain, so to speak. There's another way of saying peek behind the curtain. And yes, uh, my bad should not have said that, especially in the context of today and, I don't know. I I can say that I said it, so there's no going back and saying, look, I didn't say it, you know, but I said it, and I'm sorry for saying it, and I won't say it again, and I'll say looking under the hood again, but, you know, the when the hashtag Me Too for cars comes out, you know, like Lightning McQueen's going to be the spokesperson, then I, I'll have to change, you know, my analogy again. It won't be looking under the hood, it'll be something else. Because it, I don't know, It's it's one of the things where I, I totally appreciate, you know, the movement and I'm not going to like try to talk myself out of the hole that I've already dug myself into, but I, I didn't, it was, it was all in fun, but I'm sorry you took it that way, Lou. And I won't say it again. You're totally fine. It was, uh, it was just funny. I, I definitely had to call you on that. I was like, whoa, up the skirt. Wow. We're getting, uh, we're definitely getting, uh, you know, beyond the, uh, I, I you know, we market as explicit. So, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely R rated now. Yeah, I know. I was like, is it as bad as like our VR episode or, you know, <laughs> this is true. We did talk about like VR porn for quite some time. Yeah. So, but fair point called me out. There's nothing I can say. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, pronouncing Wacom, uh, or Wacom or Wacom. I don't know how you, how do I say it, Adam? So I, I hate that you put this in here. So I almost crossed it out because I looked at it. I'm like, okay, yes. I, I remember saying last time, like, why don't we just go to the website and look at it? It's like, whatever. So I just put a link to their YouTube channel and go have fun and listen to the 18 different people pronounce it differently because like, fuck if I know. I don't care. Got it. So did you, you, you didn't actually find the way they actually pronounce it? You're just going to throw oh, the link I, in there? I, I listened to a video. I watched a video for you know about three minutes scrubbing through different sections to wait for people to say Wacom. And it was Wacom or Wacom or Vacom. And I was like, okay, well, now I'm just getting different accents because people are, you know, all over the place. You know, it was in Dusseldorf for a while. And then, yeah. So basically, remember the, the rule we had last time is like, just let someone else say it, you know, first and then just kind of emulate 
they're saying, that's probably going to be the safest bet. So I'll say Wacom. Okay, fair enough. That's uh, that's interesting to know. And and you said they were in uh, they were in Dusseldorf. Uh, so like they, I, I don't I don't know how that changes everything. That's uh, that's got to certainly add some complexity to it because knowing where they're actually you know at or their headquarters around the world are, I'm sure that affects it a little bit. Well, yeah, and they're all over. And I just went to the latest videos because I was like, all right. Well, let me look at a product announcement. But the product announcements are all text, you know, no actual like speaking. I was like, all right, well, let's look at, you know, a live event. So then you pull up a live event and it's very curated and it's, you know, a bunch of engineers collaborating or talking with artists, you know, so then you hear one engineer say it and you're like, okay, well, that's an engineer saying it. So like that's, we're getting closer, right? I haven't heard the CEO say it yet, but like I said, I haven't gone looking that far. And then this engineer says, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Let's put that in the mental, you know, vocabulary list. And then a couple of minutes later, you hear an artist and they say it and you're like, mm, they said it different. Okay, now I'm a little conflicted. Like, I still take the engineer's weight. You know, their their answer has more weight than this artist. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm getting conflicting answers again. So after about two minutes, I, I gave up and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to say, hey, here's the link to YouTube. I'm going to stand by the thing where I say welcome. And like I said, just emulate whatever people are saying around you. and Fair enough. I think that's uh, probably true. We, we just got to, this is one of those like really awkward, you know, companies that pronunciation wise, uh, just, just find a friend, find a friend. Lou, if I see this in follow up next week, I'm not going to even think about answering it. I'm going to cross it off. I'm going to delete it. I'm going to do everything I can to make that go away. Follow up on the follow up. We already, that's, no, that's follow up on the follow up of the follow up. This is like the third time we've tried to like answer this question. And I feel like it's like follow up inception or something. I feel like that horse, you know, that we're trying to beat, you know, it's, it's <laughs> long gone. Um, okay. So moving on a little bit, uh, downloading terms of service. So I just wanted to mention that generally speaking, there's usually there's some sort of a PDF or way to email terms of service to you um, or under certain occasions, it's just a link, you know, it's, it's posted on their websites. But um, if you really want to be the Adam at the beach with your Kindle reading your uh, terms of service, then, you know, you, you might want to start uh, saving those PDFs. I'll start a book club. You, we can all go on like Wednesdays for an hour. And just read together. <laughs> you'll, you'll be the uh, Oprah Winfrey of the tech world. Uh, this week, kids, uh, my my terms of service is Dropbox. Like, all right, so we're all going to read section three for next week, right? So then we can all talk about section three. And it's going to get juicy up in here. It's going to be the, like, uh, and you get a terms of service, and you get a terms of service. Uh, what, could I, what, what, would, what would Oprah give away for, like, terms of service companies? And you get a free month of cloud storage, and you get a free month of cloud storage. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Oh god! Yeah, it would it would get interesting. You get a uh, a year of uh, Adobe Creative Cloud. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. What's Oprah's terms of service for appearing on her show? Oh dear, mm. that's that's probably something scary. You want you want to follow up on that one, Lou, or do you want to just call that a day? Hey, you brought it up. You can. <laughs> That, that's all you buddy since i brought it up i can just basically say like i'm going to omit that from follow-up like that would there will not be follow-up 
Oprah has terms of service and it's probably a big page that you sign before you go on the TV show, but hey, that's CYA, man. Yeah, everybody's got a CYA to a certain degree, right? All right, so one thing we did talk about uh, is Vainglory and um, their terms of service, which we'll definitely drop a link into the show notes about. But long story short, it definitely seems like um, they have the right to kind of collect information about devices you're on, um, third-party websites, that you you visit to a degree um it seems like they uh they have uh, some way of of tracking that a little bit which i'm assuming is through cookies um they use social media widgets and 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 other things too so they definitely have some information on you um but you i guess the one thing that i i did read or that adam you read before we started recording i think was that you do have the right to reach out to them to see what sort of information they have on you so that's kind of nice um and they do sell it or they could sell it i guess is they have they reserve the right to if they need to yeah so a lot of what they collect is pretty standard metrics you know behavioral um sections like how long you use the app or what tabs you spent on the app or what games you played, things like that to, you know, kind of help them refine the application in their terms. And then um, the collection of, you know, personal information, which was like your name, your email and any other information you give them. And basically saying like, Hey, if we, you know, get bought or sold or we buy other companies or we sell, you know, information to make the platform better, like that's our right. That's, you know, you gave the information to us and we can do whatever we want with it. But if you want it back or if you want it all deleted, we'll definitely do that. So it's pretty standard boilerplate um, for, I guess, just anything that maintains a customer database. Yeah, that's true. It's it, to a certain degree, you've, you, you're always collecting something. I mean, it's it, even if it's just kind of in passing, you're kind of collecting that information. And whether you choose to store it over time or or selectively delete it over time, that's a different story. But um you know, I think most companies kind of have this baseline of, you know, collecting some basic stuff. Cool. So this week we're going to talk a little bit about consumption of information. So we kind of broke this episode up into different types of uh, mediums or, or, or uh, content. And uh, I thought we would open up and just talk a little bit about um, text and articles. And um, obviously there's just an insane amount of content that is being created in articles today. And there's a blog and a news site for everything under the sun. So Adam, you want to talk a little bit about um, how you kind of manage this, this area of content? Yeah. So when, when we talked about doing this episode, it was kind of, you know, like, Hey, how do we consume information? You know, and in this day and age, we talk about, you know, like you said, just the sheer amounts of stuff that's out there. And all the new stuff that you're following, like, how do you kind of manage all of that? And I think that was kind of the theme that, that I wanted to go for when we when we talked about this. So I, I guess for me, what it breaks down to is, is kind of different workflows. So uh, I have kind of two separate workflows in, in which I consume, like, web, you know, articles and, you know, any, like, pseudo live type things. So I guess what I what I use for news and kind of current events mostly is Twitter. So I follow a lot of kind of noisy channels in Twitter. Um, I don't follow too many, but I'll follow things like, you know, the Associated Press and I'll follow um, a lot of tech, you know, journalists and uh, tech companies, right? Like TechCrunches, Verges, Ars Technica, those types of things. So 
those are pretty noisy. So there's a lot of things that kind of come out of that. So my Twitter feed, I used to be kind of a completionist and say like, Hey, I always want to, you know, read everything that's on my Twitter feed, but now it's like, all right, I'll scroll through, you know, the last 10 minutes or the last, you know, 30 minutes of things. And if there's something that's breaking, you know, I'll usually hop on Twitter because there's a lot of people talking about it, but I kind of use that for, for more like in the moment. So like right now. So from there, like if there's anything interesting that I see, because every once in a while, you know, I'll follow a blog that'll have an article that's a little too long to read um, that I can't, let's say, read in the moment right there. So at that point, uh, if it's an article, I'll save it to Instapaper, uh, which is a great app, you know, an app that I've used for years now, but kind of the standard like read it later type service. Um, so I'll save it to Instapaper or if it's a cool product or something, you know, that is going to help me in a to do or something like that, I'll send it to things. but that's kind of my my consumption or trying to drink from the fire hose of of Twitter is kind of what I do there. I do use um, Apple News occasionally. Like I'll check it, you know, once or twice during the day, like in the morning to see if there's anything like truly breaking. Um, I don't have notifications turned on for like anything. So for me, it's very much whenever I check, I, I pull information. I don't like information getting pushed to me. So um, and as far as like Twitter lists, like, I don't really use those. I used to use like lists and say like, Hey, split out my tech, you know, stuff versus my new stuff versus my life stuff versus my humor stuff. But now I just kind of like have it all in one place and just kind of pick and choose what I want from there. Interesting. So do you, how often do you end up uh, checking Twitter? Is it a morning and night kind of thing? Or is that like a, just casually open it throughout the day, scroll to the top and see what I find? Yeah, it's more more of a casual. So I'd say probably three to five times a day. Um, I'm not a heavy Twitter user. I, and like I said, it's it's more, it really depends on the circumstances. I'd say on average, three to five times, once definitely in the morning, uh, maybe once or once or twice in the middle of the day. And then, you know, once on the way home. And that's pretty much it. And that'll usually get me caught up to speed with like anything that's happening or and like I said, if there's anything breaking, you know, usually I'll see that either the next day or if I see that happening in the moment on Twitter or someone tells me about it, then I'll kind of hop on and go further. But probably three to five, I'd say. Okay. And are you a Twitter completionist in the sense that you read every tweet or are you like, a, I'm just going to go to the top, I'll scroll backwards and see what I find. And at some point, I'm just going to give up and exit Twitter. Yeah, I already answered that. But yeah, so I, I was a completionist at one point. And it got to the point where like my followers or the people I was following had to be so curated because in the need of like wanting to be a completionist, like you really couldn't follow anything that was noisy. So right. If I followed even just one, you know, like verge, like if I followed the verge, like say goodbye to, you know, trying to be a completionist because so many freaking you know, things that get posted to Twitter from them. And like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of like re tweeting the same thing or when people tweet something and then eight hours they tweet the same thing the same story like i understand that because you know people like me are drinking from a fire hose and they may miss things but i hate seeing the same article twice (laughs) from the same company so i just follow a lot of noisy channels now and you know i'll live with that but there's no way i could even be close to a completionist anymore yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat there with Twitter. I, I do use Twitter for for news myself too, um, but I also use um, a third party app called Newsify, which is essentially just a 
like an RSS uh, reader that is um, just going ahead and it's, I, I guess the best way to describe it, if, if you're not that familiar with RSS is it, it's scraping websites that you choose to follow um, with a, um, you know, it grabs the text and, and the whole goal behind it is that it presents it to you in like a newspaper fashion with stories that are big at the top um, that are new and it does it in a Safari reader like um, view. So no ads and just pictures and, and stuff. So uh, Newsify is a uh, subscription. So I pay for that subscription to, to get it, but I have my stuff within Newsify kind of broken down within what are essentially like links or, or lists for Twitter, sorry. Um, and so, you know, it's broken down into tech and then into like general news and, and you know, other categories like cooking and so on and so forth. And the way I kind of break those down is just like a newspaper where we organize. I have business and top news and, and tech and so on and so forth. There's sports as well. So that's the way I break it up. It's kind of a very like – New York Times version of, you know, articles on my phone. Interesting. So I, I hadn't talked about RSS yet, and I don't know if you want to get into RSS. And I, the way I use kind of Twitter and RSS are totally different. Um, so you kind of glazed over that. So you do check Twitter, you use Twitter for, for most of your news, but you're not pulling those same RSS feeds into Newsify, right? Like, you're not following the same people in Twitter that you uh, have their RSS in Newsify, correct? Correct. Most of the Twitter stuff that I'm following is um, simply like I have like one or two like breaking news kind of accounts. Um, there used to be a, a really good app called Breaking News. Um, unfortunately, that service shut down. Um, and that app and their Twitter account was like really solid. I loved their their um, Twitter account, just because if you really wanted to like look at something, you would know exactly what's going on way ahead of, you know, something like Newsify where the stuff is delayed. You know I mean? If there's a major event happening, I'm not really looking for, for it there. Um, Tweetbot and Twitter in general are something I go to for more like in the moment news in the sense that if I already know something big is happening, I'll check uh, Tweetbot. I actually kind of go to Tweetbot when I already know something big is happening. Um, otherwise, I will go to Newsify and and just go ahead and pull and see what I get. Um, but, you know, there are certain times when news is coming in fast-paced. Um, you know, I can think of a night like um, uh, the night uh, when, oh God, it was like, what, four years ago now or five years ago now, but the Osama bin Laden was like captured and killed. And like, there was like a lot kind of going on news wise that night. And I remember Twitter was like such a great platform to have that night because you could see stuff evolving so, so quickly. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning. So I mentioned Twitter and I definitely use Tweetbot as well. I use Tweetbot on both the Mac and iOS. So that's kind of how I manage between the two different, you know, devices that I'm using. But yeah, I think Twitter, especially or Tweetbot, uh, just that whole platform right? Being able to follow something just in real time and doesn't even have to be something, you know, in your followers, right? Like every once in a while, if I know something's breaking, you know, I'll just follow the hashtag or, you know, go to or search for, you know, stuff that's relevant to that. And you get just a mix of everything. And I guess Twitter is kind of nice for surfacing just a lot of different, um, you know, commentary about things where 
I don't know. It's the same with like cable news, right? Like you can always tune into whatever you want to, but I kind of like Twitter because it is very raw in the moment, right? Like you only get a certain amount of text and usually it includes a link to something, but a lot of times like Associated Press is kind of where I get a lot of my breaking stuff. So it'll be like, hey, you know, this is happening. Um, most recently, right, with uh, the Parkland shootings, um, you know, I, I was following that on Twitter. Like I, I hit that um, just kind of, when I check Twitter, like in the afternoon, and then you start following, you know, checking, looking at different sources, you know, once you kind of realize that's what's happening. So that was really kind of the breaking and following for me. Um, when that's the most recent example, right? What was that, that event? So it's, it's great for that, you know, like, I think a lot of people have kind of moved over to having Twitter be their main source of like breaking news. Um, because you can, like I said, almost choose what you want to 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 hear about. And that's a good and bad thing, right? Like you can surround yourself with a bunch of varied ideas or varied, you know, beliefs, or you can, you know, find that one, you know, dark section of the internet that you really want to go to and just, you know, get only that viewpoint. So I don't want to get too much into that because I think that'll take us down a, a rabbit hole we don't really want to go down. But it sounds like, yeah, Twitter for breaking news. And then tell me more about Newsify. So you, you mentioned it's like a newspaper. So that's all powered by RSS, right? Yeah, so that's all powered by RSS. Um, and so you, you can, you know, of course, just drop in your own RSS stuff or they kind of have, you know, categories of big name sites automatically that you can just, you know, find within the app. Um, Is it kind of like Flipboard? Do you remember Flipboard? Yeah, it's similar to Flipboard. Um, there, There's, I mean, there's, what, tons and tons of these, um, um, you know, type of apps that just are, RSS readers, but, um, it's, a uh, it's a little less, um, tiled and, and that way that, that it's, it looks very much more like a newspaper would be, if you ask me. Um, it looks like something like if you just snapshot at the front page or, uh, like a PDF scan of the New York Times or something. Um, and so, um, I'll, I'll drop a link to their, their website in, but, um, it is something that it, to get the, scraped content you do have to pay for it but it is something that i i like a lot and it's something that i really my routine with newsify is very much like a open it in the morning open it in the evening spend five or ten minutes just kind of perusing and reading the stories that i want to read and you know if it doesn't excite me then i'm not going to read it um but it's a very much a check-in in the morning and a check-in in the evening um Tweetbot and Twitter is the the more like in the moment. I know something big's happening, but it's my you know um, you know morning download of that information. So yeah, so I'm I'm looking at their um, their kind of like app you know web page, their app product page, and uh, I can see it like you said, like a newspaper. So they do kind of like try to make it pretty with articles and pictures and kind of surface to what you want to see. So you use RSS very different than I do. Um, so that's that's interesting to see, but I'm curious because before we get into to my RSS, um, do you do any form of like read it later uh, in your like Twitter or in your Newsify, you know, workflows? Do you have like a separate service for hey, I want to save this for later, or you just use it in the app? Like you'll save in Newsify, or you'll save uh, or favor a tweet or something like that. Not really. I do use Safari read it uh, reading lists, but that is a very like trivial version of that. Right. Um, and, um, it's that list at any time is not more than like five articles long, you know, and a lot of times it'll sit there with five articles in it for 
two weeks and then I'll be like, Oh, Hey, I need to read these and I'll read them and delete them. So it's not something that I would say I use on a daily basis at all. Okay. So, yeah. So I mentioned you use RSS very, very differently than I do. So my RSS is, I think I only limit it to maybe at the most 15 different um, RSS feeds. That's it. So my RSS is kind of like sacred to me where that's like, that's stuff that I know I want to see all of. I I don't want to like browse through it. Like I'll probably want to see every article and at least skim it or at least, you know, peruse through it. And that's something I only check once a week. So my RSS feeds, I'll follow, you know, blogs or people that, you know, I know personally or people that I know will, you know, write insightful kind of like long form blog posts. And that's kind of where I go through once a week and just peruse through that. So my RSS is very, very limited. And I'd say where I, I spend most of my time actually consuming media is RSS is still just a conduit for me. And so is Twitter, right? This is all just kind of funneling down into Instapaper for me. So I use Twitter and I, you know, if I see something that I, that I like, I'm like, oh, I'll send that, you know, to Instapaper if it's more of a longer form type of reading. Uh, same with RSS. Like if I'm going through RSS, you know, I try to read everything there. And so I carve out a bunch of time to do it. But if there's something that, let's say, is really, really long or it's a really artic- article that I'm really interested in and I actually want to spend like more time to look at it, uh, rather than like starring it in my RSS reader, which I'll mention right now, I use Reader, um, R-E-E-D-E-R uh, for Mac and iOS. And I know I've mentioned that, I think, in our, you know, holiday extravaganza list, right? But um, that's the the RSS client that I use, which is very simple. It's just, it has a folder structure, right? Where I kind of sort into, yeah, tech and, you know, general this and that, but there's no pretty format. It's just like, it's almost like email. It's like if you open up mail and you have all these emails now with RSS. And there was a, a point in time where I was using actual like macOS mail for RSS articles, but that time has long since passed since, uh, you know, these apps came out and had a little more integration with uh, read it later service. but Anyway, so so most of the stuff that I that I look at in RSS will go to Instapaper, and that is kind of where I do all of my long form reading. So from there, I'll read it on uh, Instapaper's website, or I'll read it on my phone, or on the Kindle because they have a really nice way to export stuff to the Kindle. So that's kind of how I push all of my stuff onto the devices to pull later. So do you do you do any form of like like you said, Safari Reader or Reading List is the only form of read later that you do? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, everything else is, like I said, like that pull from Newsify, and I don't really like, quote-unquote, bookmark something for the read it later or like, you know, temporary bookmark, whatever you want to call that. Gotcha. You don't do like speed reading or anything, do you? No, I, I don't do speed reading. Um, I did do, for a while, I used a, um, there's an app called Voice Dream Reader, um, and He also makes an app called Voice Dream Writer. And um, one thing I learned in college was that I have a little bit of a learning deficiency in the that I'm a very uh, verbal or or auditory learner. Um, So everything I I kind of you know learn best by is is all in that auditory realm. So speed reading is kind of tough for me, even like single word and stuff like that. And so um, Voice Dream Reader basically has a a action extension or uh, on iOS for um, Safari where it basically kind of launches the app, grabs all the text from the page and drops it in there. And then they have um, 
really, really high end, um, speak content voices essentially that, that are from, um, God, what's the name of that company? Adam, probably not nuance. Nuance. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they have like voice packs that they've bundled in and it, it does some stuff that is similar to speed reading where it like highlights the word and the line that it's on as it's, you know, reading the article to you if you're looking at the phone. But a lot of times I'm not even looking at the phone when I would do that. So I would do stuff like that before, but I don't really, I'm not very religious with that stuff. And most of the time when I'm putting something in there, to have it read to me later. Um, there's super long articles. There's been some articles on like, um, like fortune or something like that, that were like, essentially the, the time to read the article is like 25 minutes or something like that, you know, and that's with it reading at like three or 300 words a minute or something. Yeah. And that's one of the things I like about like the apps like Instapaper, right. Is they'll tell you how long the read is. Right. So you're looking through these articles and, where I'm not sure if Newsify does that for you, but Reader doesn't for me. So Reader, I kind of just see the article and, like I said, very simple, just RSS. And then if I see this going to be a long read, I'll usually send it to Instapaper. And then Instapaper, since that's where I'll consume most of it, I'll kind of, you know, go throughout the day and look in tech and it's like, okay, well, I've got like 10 minutes. Where's a good 10-minute read? You know, and most of the stuff I put in there isn't time-sensitive, right? So it's it's... Some of it is reviews, right? Like when there are reviews of products or, you know, software, things and things of that nature. But most of the other stuff is kind of like an op-ed piece on something else, or it's, you know, more an opinion piece on another another topic. So it's not time sensitive for me. So I really like being able to to send stuff to Instapaper and then have it kind of give me how long that read's gonna be. But I do a lot of my reading, um, especially in Instapaper on on the iPhone is all doing speed reading. So I kind of just throw on the speed read mode. And if no one's, if people haven't, people listening haven't sped read, or <laughs> I don't know what the, the correct term there is. But if you've never done speed reading before, what it does is, yeah, it does a single word, right? So it just flashes a word on the screen as quickly as it can. And the the theory behind that is, since your brain is processing the words as an image, rather than trying to read ahead in a whole sentence, uh, you're able to read much faster. So you can hit, you know, like, 400 600 words per minute because your brain is processing all these images and then kind of stitching them together on the back end but lets you do that without getting lost in sentence structure um so i've always found that really interesting and you know i definitely go through most of my articles that way especially like when i'm you know writing home on the bus or uh you know just i have time to sit there and stare at a phone i just sit there and stare at the phone and watch all these things go by and that's been kind of a really liberating for me because you do save time and very much like the smart speed feature in podcasts, you know, which in overcast we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, it's just a way for me to save time and time is money. And when you're an old man, you know, you run out of time and I want to use my time as wisely as I can. Got it. So is it one of those things where you've gotten also faster um, over time? You know, I mean, I know you, you said it's similar to overcast uh, smart speed feature, but is it, for me, with Overcast and with podcasts, I've gotten faster over time. So I assume kind of the same is true with this. You didn't start at 600 words. You started at, I don't know, 200 or 300 and, and worked your way up to 600. Yeah, exactly. So so very much it's, you know, training yourself to, to kind of learn this. Like I'm training myself to, you know, learn Dvorak keyboard, you know, and I can't type, you know, 150 words a minute, you know, anything like that. I could, you know, barely type 80, you know, anything like that. Uh, not even 80 words a minute. What was I at? I was I was at something ridiculously low 
when I was taking the typing test. I'll have to look it up. But but yeah, you, you kind of build up to it. So you start at like you know the two hundred mark, and then you kind of quickly move up to three hundred. And once you once you get used to it, then yeah, you just keep kind of going up and up and up. So I think right now I hover between you know five hundred six hundred in that range. Um, but four hundred was kind of like that's when it everything past four hundred just feels really fast. <laughs> uh, three hundred to four hundred was kind of like a, a bigger jump for me. And then 400, 500, 600, I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. It's, it's all fast, you know. But I think, yeah, seeing how much time you saved, and it's not adaptive. The one thing that they do do is for longer words, they'll keep those on the screen longer, right? So if there's a really long word or hyphenated words, they'll keep those on the screen a little longer just so your brain can actually catch the whole thing before it disappears. But uh, I used to use another app um, called ReadQuick, and that was a paid app, and I, I bought that app a long time ago. And then when Instapaper kind of, you know, gave all their pro features away for free, because Instapaper used to only speed read a couple articles. But now that they have, you know, everyone has the pro Instapaper, um, or at least everyone that bought it, I believe, then I just speed read everything there. Kind of eliminates one more app I had to use to kind of tie into Instapaper to to read things. But I'm sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there. But yeah, speed reading, build it, build it up. It's everything is, you know, kind of working up to to getting as fast as you can. Same with podcasts. Got it. That's cool. I don't know. I would have to give it a try and see how good I am at it. I, I would probably suck. <laughs> I'm not exactly a, a great reader. I, I Most of the reading I do, and, and once I learned that I this is how I learn, it was monumental um, for me because I, I really struggled a lot in college and kind of in late in high school. As reading got heavy, I... I definitely wasn't as uh, strong with grades. And so I had to adapt. And that's when I kind of learned that, mm, well, this is interesting. And they put you through like all these really weird tests. If you've ever done one of these uh, learning disability tests. Um, but basically, you know, it's all this like memorization. Like, do you memorize visually or auditory or what do you do? And I found out that I'm like I, somewhere in the next, like near top 10% of the nation and for like auditory memory, but like the bottom, like, 40% of the nation for visual memory. So I probably wouldn't do too good. Too well. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's my English. I, I, I math better than I English. <laughs> I can math good. I, I can math decently well. A, lo- a lot of calculus in college. So what can you say? Crunch the numbers, Lou. Crunch them. Crunch them hard. <laughs> um, so do you have anything else to add uh, as it relates to text before we uh, move on to another medium? Uh, no, I, I think that's that's pretty good. I mean, I will say this is like the, the Kindle, right? Um, that's kind of a recent addition to my workflow is, you know, I would save everything to Instapaper. And then now I've kind of started sending stuff to the Kindle because when you're out and about, like the the Kindle is much nicer to read. Like if you've ever been out in the sun and tried to read anything on your phone, like, yeah, just good luck. Phone starts getting really hot because the screen is on max brightness and the sun is reflecting everything. So I have a Kindle Paperwhite, uh, the last or the latest generation that they have. And uh, Instapaper has this really, or I forgot where I set it up. I think I set up an Instapaper. But yeah, Instapaper has this feature where they, you'll, you can send to your Kindle email and it will get added there. So that's another thing that I do. If I see something's going to be like you mentioned, like a 20 minute read or a 24 minute read, I'll send that to Kindle. Cause I'm like, you know what? Like that's going to be the better place for me to, to actually like read something, be able to stop and bookmark and do what I want and kind of pick back up and read in like an outdoor setting too. Right. 
that, that's the best thing is like, Hey, let's go somewhere, you know, let's go to the beach or whatever. Like, cool. I'll take the Kindle and I'll sit there and read on it. Uh, we're planning to go on vacation, you know, soon. So I'm definitely going to load up a bunch of stuff on the Kindle so I can read it, you know, uh, while I'm relaxing. Got it. Very cool. And like the, the nice part about the Kindle is, you know, it's, um, it's one of the few devices in today's day and age that while you can get the Kindles with like what 3G and, and, and apps and everything today, but like the, the standard, like basic, you know, uh, Kindle is something that is, um, only, you know, I mean, it's Wi-Fi, but it's, it's an offline device for the most part, right? Yeah, there's there's not really any distraction. So the one I got is the Wi-Fi only model. Like I didn't get the one with 3G. So it's Wi-Fi only. And, you know, I turned off all of the, the kind of like store features. I'm like, I just want to see the content that I want to see. Like, I don't want to have a shopping experience on my Kindle, right? Like I have the web for that. And if I'm picking this device up, and I think the point that you're trying to get to is like, I want to focus just on the content. I don't want to be distracted by anything else. Whereas with a phone, you know, with apps and wi-fi notifications and everything like you can easily get pulled away from something whereas if i'm going to read a 24 you know minute article or if i'm going to have a 24 minute read like i i want to use those 24 minutes so i don't want to be interrupted by anything and granted there's all sorts of external stimuli right like i have a watch that could go off or the phone could ring you know but there's nothing on the screen pulling me away from that it's kind of a more conscious decision to move away if uh if something pulls my attention but yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoy the Kindle for the longer reads for all of those reasons. Yeah, it's it's a definitely a unique device and and one that it, it definitely has its place, which is what's cool. Um, not nothing really else in I feel like in our society has kind of taken its place because everything else is once you go past the Kindle, it's like it's it's connected. It's got multiple types of connections and you know notifications and all sorts of crap coming in. So it's it makes it a lot harder to to really get through content. But anyway, let's go ahead and set text and articles aside a little bit and uh, move on to uh, the medium of podcasts, which we, we already talked a little bit about. So um, Adam, do you want to kind of segue us in here and uh, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your, your workflow? And, and um, I, I think everybody knows at this point, we, we both use uh, overcast, but um, what does your workflow look like when it comes to the podcast? Yeah, so as far as my workflow, my workflow is kind of, you know, app independent, so it doesn't really need uh, an app, or I don't rely on, let's say, Overcast to kind of run my workflow, but you know, the way the way I treat podcasts is, um, it, it's kind of much more on that, that poll type of setting, right? So I'll subscribe to a pretty large number of podcasts, and um, most of the time what happens with those is I'll say, hey, keep the last, you know, 10 unplayed episodes, unless I know it's one that is... Uh, like a season or episodic, you know, like a, if you ever listen to serial or like hardcore history where you kind of have to have, you know, a decent back catalog or, you know, you have to listen to episodes in a certain order. So usually what I'll do is I'll, I'll subscribe to a bunch of different podcasts. I think I have probably, you know, close to 50 different uh, podcasts that I'm subscribed to. And from there, what I do is I sort them into stations. So I'll put, you know, all of the stations by genre. So I'll be like, okay, these are all my tech ones. Very much like my RSS kind of um, workflow. So I have my tech ones. I have my life ones. I have my humor ones. I have my news ones. I have my TLDR ones. Uh, I kind of have a whole bunch of different stations. Um, So in these stations is kind of where I go. And those stations, I just sort by the oldest podcast 
or the oldest episode to the newest episode. Um, so really those lists are just sorted by, hey, here's all the stuff in this genre, pick up wherever you want to go. Um, so that's kind of how I just generally categorize everything. There are some stations that I have that are kind of like my must-listen stations, right? So the only one station, there's only one that's, that is this must-listen, it's the news one. And usually that's just like news bites. So it's, you know, the short little news podcast from, um, I think I listened to Up First from NPR. I think the NPR Politics podcast is on there. So most of my NPR, like short bite uh, content is there. Um, same thing, I have a couple other like tech short podcasts, just like the headlines that I that I listen to. And those I can probably get through in uh, on any given day, like maybe 20 to 30 minutes. That's the longest they are. That's including like some discussion. So usually what I do is I'll kind of listen to that station in the morning on my bus ride, you know, to work. And that is kind of getting me caught up for the day because most of the time, by the time I get on the bus, all these podcasts have kind of brought out their content for the headlines of the day so far. And then that's the only station that I have that I have to listen to. Um, other than that, most of the time I don't I don't drill into a station to listen. So I don't like go into like a humor, you know, station and just say, I want to listen to all my comedy podcasts in one shot. So I, I don't usually do that. What I do instead is I kind of manually manage a queue. So I'll go kind of like in a section, I'll kind of peruse and it's like, oh, this podcast or this episode looks like it'll be good. Or, oh, I should probably listen to this episode. And what I do is I just manually add them to a queue. And I'll add them to the queue, I'll sort them around. And then what I do is I'll download like two or three at a time. And then I'll do that like before I go on a walk or before I go, you know, home on the bus for the day. And usually that's how I'll get in like another two hours of of listening is just by manually adding, you know, what I want to a queue. So if I want, you know, hey, I want to listen to something funny and then I kind of want to listen to an educational thing and this and that, I kind of manually curate my my queue from there. Got it. Well, we certainly are are very different podcast wise, which I think you and I both knew this already a little bit to a degree. But um, I am definitely the like um, you know try to drink from the fire hose of of podcasts uh, when it comes to listening. Um, I'm I was counting up while you were talking here the number of podcasts that I'm subscribed to right now, and it's forty eight, um, and on average, most, most of these podcasts are releasing once a week and, you know, they vary from anywhere between like five minutes to, um, something like probably like two, three hours, you know? And so there's, there's definitely probably an average of about, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour per episode. And so there's a lot of content coming in. So I listen to a lot of podcasts per week and, um, the the main way I break it down, although it's changing a little bit, and I'm kind of changing to a, a method that is more similar to you because I just can't sustain the amount of listening and and add new podcasts in as well. Um, but how it has worked and up to now is basically I have a must listen, and um, and then I have um, if you get time for it. Uh, playlist and then if i have a too long don't read and then i have a uh the rest of everything essentially and everything drops into a one of those playlists and the must listen is the the sort of the more critical one and i always work top to bottom to clear my um, playlist so um anytime i if i'm if i've cleared you know playlist one and two and 
you know, I'm down in three, but something comes into one, I go back to one and listen to that episode first. And that's kind of the way I, I choose to attack the uh, podcast um, because I, I definitely want to get through certain episodes right away and other episodes I hold off on. But um, uh, I do use Overcast and I do use um, Smart Speed. Um, personally, I listen now somewhere between probably about 1.7 and 1.8 most of the time. If I happen to be in a car and I have like undivided attention, and no one is in the car with me that's going to hate me, I'll probably go above two, but that's about it. Yeah, so I also use smart speed, and I hover around two. Um, but my smart speed is very much custom per podcast, so I don't really have a global smart speed that I use. Uh, I I really fine-tune that based on the podcast. There are some podcasts that you know I listen to at two times speed all the time. There are other ones that are kind of more... And I know we mentioned this a couple times. It's like I listen to like This American Life and Radio Lab and Reply All, and those have a very high like production value to them. Where silences actually are put in there for a reason, and pacing is put in there for a reason, and there's a reason things are arranged the way that they are. So those ones I usually turn off all these fancy features, or at least the smart speed feature, and I might speed it up like one and a half times, but I won't uh, like try to cut silences because that'll change the flow of the actual content um but yeah i I definitely use smart speed so i I have a question for you though and this kind of goes to your clearing a playlist from top to bottom is what if there's something you don't want to listen to do you just completely delete that or let's say you're not in the mood to listen to it do you just remove that completely or do you move it further down in the queue or how do you how do you go about that so I, I don't usually give myself an option. <laughs> um, Ouch, it, man. It, it That's is, a rough life. It is a clear all, everything must be played, go top to bottom kind of idea. And so, you know, sometimes, um, I'll be honest, like I, I zone out more in a podcast because I'm not as interested in the topic or subject matter. But it is something I try to always clear them. And so that's something I'm having to be more conscious of as I'm switching kind of my listening style to a more do I want to listen to this? Um, Because if I catch myself in those moments, I need to kind of rethink why am I listening to this? And and is there something else, you know, content wise that might be, you know, better suited for the listening time that I have? But then there, there are times when I'm, you know, I might just be like walking around the house doing laundry, just getting chores done or whatever stuff I've got to get done on a uh, around the house. Um, and sometimes that sort of second track running in my head that is, you know, my mind is is ahead of the podcast in some ways there where I'm, I'm thinking about what I need to do. And that's just background, you know, listening is is a good thing. So there, there are ups and downs for for that argument for sure. Well, yeah, and I can understand, you know, having something as a background track, which I definitely do as well. But the next question is a kind of follow up question is, do you have limits on your podcast? Like, do you say only, you know, 10 unplayed episodes, only five unplayed episodes? Or you just say, like, no, give me everything and I will get through everything. Are you like the Twitter completionist for podcasts? Twitter completionist for podcasts, for sure. Um, oh. There is one, one unplayed episode is a lot at a time, um, which usually I can get through everything that fast. So it's, it's, but it's a, it is a race. Like it's definitely like 
almost every waking hour is is if is listening to some podcast. You know, like I get in the car, I'm listening to a podcast. Um, you know, I'm walking into work, I'm listening to a podcast. Walking out of work, I'm listening to a podcast. Going to sleep at night, I'm listening to a podcast. Uh, in the shower in the morning, I'm listening to a podcast. It's playing on the uh, the speaker in the bathroom. You know, there's always a speaker or a set of headphones, uh, something playing. Doesn't even sound fun anymore. <laughs> it doesn't sound fun, but in a lot of ways, like it is something I I have. It's so funny to me because I hated the medium of podcasts. Like I used to hate because to me, podcasts used to sound like talk radio, <laughs> and talk radio was so boring to me. Um, but I think you know, in a lot of ways, I was just in the wrong medium. And um, as I got um, more and more and more into the right medium, that was you know something I like, which is, I mean, in, in general, uh, most of my podcasts, uh, a good portion of them, probably half of the 48 are, are tech related uh, to varying degrees, some news and some, you know, down in the weeds of coding or something like that. Um, but once I found that, you know, that really started to open that door for me to really like um, podcasts. Yeah, podcasts definitely saved my life. Because um, I used to commute when I lived in San Diego, I used to commute Oh, what was it? It was, it was at least an hour and a half each way every day. So, you know, that was three hours on a good day, maybe four, you know, to five hours on a bad day commuting. And podcasts were the thing that, that got me out of it. Cause yeah, I would just listen to radio and radio. Oh, it's, you have the morning talk shows, which is all well and good. And then you have to listen to the same commercials over and over again. And the bits get kind of stale, but podcast was kind of a thing where it's like, Hey, you know what? Today I can listen to you whatever. And then tomorrow I can listen to this. And if there's a really long episode of whatever I want, I can, you know, jump to wherever I want to go. So kind of being the master of, you know, almost the satellite radio of, of basically talk, talk shows, it was very liberating for me. So I can, I can feel you there, but I I don't know, man, I, I feel like you're, you're too dedicated to this. And like, there's, there's always this saying, like, you have to let go a little bit. And I, I can say, I, I, I don't know if I ever got to the point where I was forcing myself to be a completionist. I don't think I ever got that way with podcasts. Uh, maybe when I was, you know, following a small number of them. Yeah, great. But I never got to the point where I had so many. I was like, I have to finish these. I just was okay with like, okay, well, cool. I'm only going to listen to the most recent ones. And then if they mention something that's a really good episode that I should listen to, sure, I'll add that to my queue, right? Which is kind of one of the glories of having like a manual queue is like someone mentioned something like, even like, oh, you should probably listen to this podcast. I just throw it in a, in a queue. Is like, there's no obligation to subscribe to this podcast you know to listen to every episode it's like i just pop in you know an episode here and there um but i i think having that noise everywhere like is there ever any downtime for you like in terms of i know i know podcasts like we're, we're kind of sticking in this place for a little bit because this is like you said where you spend a lot of your time but is there ever any like downtime for podcasts where you just don't listen to podcasts because i know you mentioned like hey it's you know you're in the shower you're here you're there is most of that time taken up by podcasts and nothing else. Is there ever any like just dead air or like dead noise? It, it's rare. I mean, there, there is definitely times it happens and I, it's funny because if I don't hear something playing, I, I naturally after, you know, when I realize it consciously, I'm like, Oh crap, I'm not listening to something. I probably should be blowing through something right now. That way I, I'm completing something. So um, there are times, but it's, it's, 
it's definitely rare and it's probably not like even on a long, long day, there's probably, you know, I, I'm at home the entire day and I could be listening the entire day. There's probably not more than a half hour or an hour of time. That's not playing some podcast. Oof. Crazy, man. You are a dedicated individual. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's definitely something that's got to evolve because there's, there's just too much good content and there's a lot of stuff that I know that I listen to that I could probably easily save, you know, at the current rate that I listen to podcasts, like I would hazard a guess there's probably 40 hours of listening a week at least. And, and at, with 40 hours of listening a week uh, of podcasts, I probably am listening to at least, you know, 10 to 20 hours of content that is just kind of stuff that wouldn't be the end of the world if I didn't listen to, you know, there's, there's probably 10 to 20 hours I really did enjoy and 10 to 20 that's like, yeah, it, it could be better. And I could have chosen something probably that I would have preferred more. Okay. So anyway, um, do you have anything else to add to your, uh, podcast, uh, consumption? No, I, I think mine is pretty straightforward, you know, like, I don't know, it, it goes to the same thing where it's like, I'm very much more of a pull type of thing. Like, I don't feel like there's a push. Like, I guess that's a question is I don't have any notifications turned on for like new episodes, anything like that. So I'm not notified if, hey, there's a new episode, like even for our podcast, you know, which I have subscribed, you know, I don't get notified that there's a new episode. Granted, I know when the episode is going to come out, but I don't have notifications turned on for any of that. Uh, do you have notifications turned on? Yeah, um, I do for like three or four podcasts. Honestly, it's the 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 ones that are in the uh, must listen category, um, and that's just to remind me of that. Um, nothing really else. It's just to say, hey, this is out. You know, go ahead and jump on it and start listening. Um, so yeah, I get maybe three or four notifications a week. That's like you need to to actually listen to this. Okay. I try to keep those notifications on lockdown. What can I say? Yeah, man. I, I'm kind of having an internal battle because I enabled the waterminder notifications again. And I just, I hate it. You, you, it, it tells you so much. That app is like, oh. You can customize it too, right? Which I get. And maybe that's what I'll do is I'll just put it to like three times a day. Like, okay, like, nope, tell me how much water you drink. Too much. Too much. Like, I know, right? Like, and oh, I always no. feel like it's at the worst time too, because it's always like at the top of the hour, at the you know mid hour. It's like notification fatigue is a real thing. Like, ugh, yeah, it's it's nasty. I, I have to I have to fine tune my waterminder stuff, but that's a topic for another day. So, can, can we stop here for like a quarter second and just and just ask how many notifications? Do you honestly get a day if, I mean, cause text messages, I'm just going to say, let's throw those out. Like, um, if you're just other apps, you know, apps in general, if you just left your phone there for the day, how many would you end up with at the end of the day? Um, throw email out if you get email or phone calls, like that stuff. I'm just, that's like normal. I'm not, I'm, I'm not expecting you to have notifications turned off for some of those. I mean, like email, I'm, I, I hope you don't have those popping up on your other than your VIPs maybe on your home screen, but like just let's take peer apps, third party apps installed. What kind of notification level you get a day? Is it more than 10, more than 25? All right. Let, let me, let me at least look. Cause I have to just look to see kind of like what I would get on average. Um, so I'm just kind of going through my notifications right now. 
uh, and I'll kind of give them a number as I go along. But and I'm looking through these and like, nope, 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 definitely don't get any, don't get any, don't get any, don't get any. Yeah, because once I throw like text messages and phone calls out, that really limits it. Like I'll say maybe I'll get like one or two task you know notifications a day. Um, other than that. Man, I, like I'm scrolling through, I'm already down to T in my apps list, and I'm like, yeah, like there's there's nothing. So on average for like actionable apps, I'd say five. Like those are actual like app notifications that I would see on the lock screen. So maybe five to ten if it's something crazy is happening. But like I said, even if I take text messages out, there's there's really nothing. Like my bank, I do have stuff for like deposits on the bank. Um as well as deliveries, I have those set to notify. But other than that, no calendar items. Can I can I omit calendar or should I count calendar? Yeah, no, omit calendar. I mean, I think those are sort of the like core Apple apps that you know on your phone or or you know that's that's what everybody has a smartphone for. Okay, like if I get rid of that, then I'm talking like maybe five, maybe. Yeah, you, you and I are pretty similar here. We got these like notifications on. Um, on lockdown and and there's a few apps that I so I don't like badges I I keep the badges to zero but I um but I I'll, I won't let it notify me but I'll let it badge and then you know that's just the trigger to be like hey open me you know something important happened in here um but yeah I definitely don't want anything popping up on that lock screen <laughs> yeah my lock screen I I have apps do the the banners but I don't have them add to the notify the lock screen. But the problem with that is like with the watch, they still show up on the watch and they still stay on the watch. So my watch is probably like worse because I have probably a lot of notifications there that would normally be silenced on the phone. But since I have the watch, they kind of persist there. So that's another thing I need to look at another day. It's one of those things where it's like not that big of a deal because getting the notification on the watch is much less uh, intrusive than getting it on the phone. But but still notification audit is probably due at some point in time. I don't think I have a task for it, but I'm sure there will be one created after this podcast. It's like, Hey, like do a notification audit and make sure that, you know, clean up all the notifications. Yeah. It's definitely a thing you need to revisit. And I've gotten better at like, as I install the apps, like just locking that down early and often instead of having to go back through it all the time and change that. So anyway, we should move on. Um, so we've been through texts and articles, podcasts, and now I think we come to kind of the behemoth, and this is probably much more in your court, Adam, uh, but video, and we'll just say that's you know TV and movies. So um, what does your video workflow mainly look like, Adam? I love how you say this is the behemoth, but I'm actually a pretty light TV watcher. Uh, in terms of, you know, especially following like episodes of TV shows and things like that. But as far as my workflow goes, uh, I have a couple of subscriptions. So we have HBO now that we subscribe to, uh, and that one we kind of can turn off as we want. Like, Hey, we'll turn it on when Game of Thrones comes out and we'll turn it on when Silicon Valley comes out and we'll turn it on when there's some other, you know, good series that comes out. Uh, HBO seems to have caught onto that though. And they just keep releasing seasons just kind of year round. So. I might have to kind of like switch that up a little bit. They're probably getting wise to to our act here. But so I have HBO now, we have Netflix and Amazon Prime. So those are the the couple subscriptions that we have. 
So um, from there, most of what I do is um, I will add what I want to watch to the TV app uh, and the add to up next feature. I'll just use that. So I'll either use Siri or I'll go to just the search and I'll search for whatever it is and I'll add it to up next. Uh, even if it's something that's not on one of those services, I'll still add it to up next because when it does become available, it bumps it up to the front of the queue and then I can watch it from there. So a lot of what I do is kind of centered now in those three apps um, and by extension, the TV app, because I'll just jump in there and I'll watch what I want to watch. And there's a bunch of browse section in the TV app too, which will show you everything from you know those providers. So that's kind of been my go-to, um, especially now. So most of the time what I'll do is I'll add something I want to watch to to that queue, and that's kind of almost like my manual queue, right? But it does some smart sorting in terms of when things are available. And I'll try to watch maybe, you know, like one movie every two days. Um, usually I'll turn it on like when I'm cycling now. So I used to listen to music, you know, just to kind of get my blood pumping. Uh, and now what I'll do since I've kind of moved to like having a cycle workout and a weight training workout in the same kind of session is I'll spend, you know, the 30 to 45 minutes on the cycle watching a movie, and then I'll do my weight training with music, and then I'll finish watching that movie either that night while I'm in bed or something else. So I'll kind of cut it up as I'm, you know, working out. But if there's any, like, TV shows that I'm watching or I want to watch, you know, like, rewatch, um, same thing. I'll do it when I'm working out, and I'll do it from the phone. So most of my consumption is from the iPhone and from the iPad. Um, we do have an Apple TV, which also kind of ties in with the TV app. And I'll also watch stuff on there. But with the kids, you know, once they go to bed, it's it's harder to go out there and watch something. Um, I will say that the Apple TV paired with Bluetooth headphones, uh, I do have a pair of BEO plays out there, the H6s, I believe. Uh, no, H7s, because they're the wireless ones. And uh, those are those are great for watching a TV show on the couch um, at night. Because you kind of get the big screen experience, you kind of can lounge on the couch, and you've got headphones on, so it's all just right there, and you can turn it up as loud as you want. So, I, I mean, to be honest, like it's pretty simple for me. You know, I just have a couple subscriptions. I don't do any like cable or anything there, and I just hate commercials. So these are all the things that kind of give me away from commercials. Interesting. So you use the Up Next feature a lot, and you you mentioned something about that if you add stuff to Up Next. And it's not available then. Do you mean like a, a new season is coming out or something like that? Then it'll put it in your queue when it is available. I, I don't use the TV app, so you're, you're going to have to help me there. Yeah. So, so in the TV app, if if you add something like, let's say, I had a movie that's um, available to rent in iTunes, right, or it's on pre-order in iTunes. So, let's use Star Wars as an example, right? So, I add Star Wars to up next. So I'm like, hey, you know, add the latest Star Wars stuff next. It's like, all right, cool, it's there. So I could always jump into that and I could buy it or I could rent it or I could do whatever. But let's say in six months, right, that it's in my queue to watch, but I haven't watched it yet. And let's say it's now available on HBO or it's available on Amazon Prime or it's available on Netflix or Netflix is a bad example, but let's say HBO or Amazon Prime. Uh, if it's If it's available there, then what it will do is it will jump to the front of the queue in the TV app and it will say like, hey, this is now available on HBO. So I can be like, oh, hey, yeah, cool. That was I was meaning to watch that. And now I can watch it, stream it for free, you know, well, not for free, but I can stream it with the subscription that I have. Let me just watch that now. And then, yeah, with seasons, right? If I finish the TV 
like let's say I'm all caught up on a TV show or like one that's airing. I'll watch all this stuff and I'll watch the last episode. And then let's say there's a new episode that comes out. Yeah, that will jump to the front of the queue and say, hey, there's a new episode available. So I definitely use that feature kind of heavily um, just because there's a lot of stuff I would love to watch. And I know like I was pining for like something like this, some universal watch list that I could, you know, add all my stuff to and have it notify me or have a way to know when these things became available. And lo and behold, the TV app kind of does that, right? I can add all this stuff into this up next queue. And then once it becomes available on Amazon Prime or HBO now, I can be like, oh, cool. Like I can go watch that now. And same thing, like when it's not available, it kind of drops off so I can I can see it happen there. So yeah, I, I definitely use that pretty heavily. And since I'm kind of invested in the Apple ecosystem, you know, like that TV app is on the phone, on the iPad, on the TV, and makes it easy to kind of pick up where I left off. That's cool. I, I see the the big thing for me is I actually have no streaming services other than I guess you can you can call YouTube TV a streaming service. It's a it's a little different though. It's it, I don't use the Amazon Prime, Netflix, HBO kind of streaming services that are are a are not a live cable television kind of streaming service. So I don't have any of those. So content wise, I don't watch anything like that. So the tie-ins for like the TV app are for me not something to really use. And the TV app does support quote unquote like news and that sort of stuff. But it's it's really not um I think designed for that as well, uh, because essentially a lot of what is scraping that way comes out, you know, and, and, and is really time relevant to like now. And when I open the TV app tomorrow morning, it's like, Oh, cool. Well, I guess, um, I can watch, you know, the say ABC or NBC news from last night. And it, it takes a couple hours to get in there and that's something that for me, it's just always best to kind of go direct to the source because I'm using YouTube TV to primarily get news and that's about it. Occasionally I'll stream some other stuff. I watch the Olympics. I watch the Super Bowl. Football season was around a little bit of football and sports, but um, I was watching tennis last night, the BMP Paribas. Uh, and that's pretty much where I grew up in Indian Wells. So I know that that court well and that stadium well. So, um, you know, I watch a lot of sports stuff that way. So I know that that differs from you a lot, Adam. Yeah. Sports. What, what, how, what sports? How do I sports? If it's not esports, you're not in. Yeah, exactly. And esports, I stream on YouTube or Twitch. So I, I guess it's the other thing, right? So, so all of my live stuff, um, which is very, very limited, like we, I didn't watch a lot of the Olympics. Um, I would, you know, have it on like on the side in a web browser at some times, but I wasn't tuning in. I was mainly catching it, you know, on other screens, like someone else would be playing it or the restaurant we'd go to would have the Olympics on. Uh, and a lot of it, I would just kind of follow Twitter for medal counts and, you know, updates for, uh, from that. So I'm kind of boring when it comes to that. Like I, I like the, kind of X Games type sports in the Winter Olympics and definitely liked um, some of the snowboard cross and stuff like that that they had. Uh, but like, yeah, you put curling on, like curling, you know, everyone loves curling, but I watch it and I'm just kind of like, all right, like I get it. I kind of get it, but it's not for me. Um, but most of the news, I don't watch the news at all. I don't watch any form of like video news. Uh, the most I'll get is little snippets, like I said, from 
from Associated Press or if I, you know, pop into Apple News like in the morning and there's some, you know, video on there, I'll watch it there. But there's nothing really live that I watch because if anything throws a commercial at me, which a lot of these things will, like I'm I'm immediately like turned off. Like I'm like, I, I don't want to. Like I've seen the light at the other end of the tunnel. Like I've I've seen a land with no commercials and that's the land I want to live in. And as soon as you throw a commercial in my face, I'm like, nope, I, I, I don't want it. I don't care how targeted it is. As If it's not a Geico commercial, I'm out. <laughs> I love it. If it's not a Geico commercial, I'm out. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I pretty much do the YouTube TV. And I when I do watch news, it's all DVR'd. So I don't watch anything live. And so I can fast forward if I want to. But... I'll be honest, most of the time, the content I'm watching, there is no commercial in it in the sense that I start the DVR content and I'm really only watching like the first five or six stories. So whenever that first commercial break happens, I bounce. I'm done. I I got what I needed and I know what's going on in the world and I feel like I am a reasonable citizen that can speak to whatever major issues are going on. And I don't really care about, you know, the other nitty gritty stories that are making, you know, the... 20, 30, 40 minutes into the news segment tonight. So that's just kind of my, my routine, but I think, you know, live and subscription stuff is, is one area that, you know, we've kind of, where we consume our content, but I know you and I both have local content also that we, we have to consume as well, or that we have the, the option of consuming. So I don't know if, if you're okay with moving past the subscription stuff and the live stuff, which I think, you know, you kind of tied up pretty well. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the local content stuff? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, at least for me, um, I, I kind of, in some ways, um, copycatted you, I think on this, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I thought of the idea of, you know, kind of having a, a headless Mac mini. Um, and before that I had a Drobo and, um, it had a lot of content from Plex on it. And, um, long story short, it was just kind of a, a learning lesson in the sense that the, transcoding that the Drobo could do wasn't powerful enough to really um, stream anything outside the network very well. And um, so I upgraded to a Mac mini and the Mac mini can definitely handle that a lot better. Um, But I have a dangled hard drive off it with, um, you know, a bunch of local video and TV and, um, you know, even some music. Um, And so that's kind of nice to, to have access to when I want it. And I've, been generous enough to kind of give my family access to it but i'll be honest i don't really watch um all that much of it i i mean you, you've heard how much uh, movies i watch so i have a lot but that doesn't necessarily mean i actually use that content so you're mainly using plex to stream to all your other clients correct correct so yeah i've got plex on the apple tv the and an ios mainly okay yeah, so the the headless Mac Mini, yeah, which I, I've had a headless Mac Mini running, or at least some headless server running in my house since, oh man, since before my my first daughter was born, I think. So that's it's going on over ten years, right? Uh, so so yeah, I've I've always had a headless computer that served up media to all the devices in the house, um, and most recently that's taken the the shape of a Mac Mini that kind of sits in the entertainment cabinet. With the same thing as you, yep, the the hard drive attached to it with, you know, the movies on it and just kind of running from there. Um, 
So I've been doing that for a while. So I, I actually don't use Plex at all. I've never really got into the Plex life. I've never really got into I've never had any desire to to live transcode video to to stream to other devices. I've always been more of the type like, hey, I, I know what I'm going to have. I'd rather, you know, archive this content in a format that I'm going to be able to consume it. So most of the stuff that we have is like just the the large amounts, the large collection of Disney movies that we uh, that we've amassed. Like my mom had tons of Disney DVDs, so it's an archive of all of those. And that's mainly for the kids, right? Like most of the local content that we have is for the kids. So, you know, hey, anytime we want to watch some Disney movie, cool. Let's, you know, pop on to the local server and get it. So the way that I'm accomplishing that now is uh, since I, I am in that Apple ecosystem, I'm using home sharing on the Mac Mini. So my Mac Mini kind of runs and all of this content is uh, on the external hard drive and that's all uh, added to iTunes. It's not copied to the iTunes folder. It's just a reference to the external lo- file location. So all of it's in there, and the home sharing is enabled under the Apple ID, and all the devices that would like to stream this content, they are signed into the same Apple ID. So that's the the My Apple ID, the main Apple ID we use, and that's kind of how we, we stream just locally in our house. So that's just pulling off that Mac Mini. That Mac Mini does a lot of other things, uh, the iTunes sharing is just one of the little things that it does, but the home sharing has kind of been like the lifesaver for us when it, when it comes to that. So we've been using that and that streams on iOS, on tvOS, it kind of streams everywhere. So that's been great. Um, before I had a Mac and when I was kind of using like, I had a, a PS2 or no, a PS3, right? And PS3 lets you do some form of like media streaming. So I had a, a server that I built, just a, a tower, you know, that I that I built and I put, you know, CentOS on it and it was running headless and it, same thing, had a hard drive in it that was just full of, you know, these movie files and I needed to stream those. So I used um, Tversity for a little bit. Uh, Tversity had a nicer Windows client than they did a Linux client. Um, so I used them for a little bit to stream to like the PlayStation and to stream to um, other devices as well. And then I used Foops for a while, which is the, I believe it's the free UPNP uh, entertainment something or other. <laughs> but we always call it Foops or Foopies, whatever you want to say. Uh, I'll include a link to it. But those those are kind of what I used to use to stream. And then once I kind of went down the Apple road, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, I have Apple devices. Most of the time that I'm going to be sharing this stuff or wanting to you know stream this stuff is probably going to be on an Apple device. I still have that device in a format that is, you know, readily playable on most modern devices. So let's just throw it in iTunes and let it do the hard work and not have to deal with, you know, these open source libraries and running a headless Linux server. So I kind of graduated my setup from there. But that's that's how I consume most of my local content is just with that headless Mac Mini. And I mean, we've debated about even getting rid of that and just running it off an iMac, right? Like we just got this iMac. It's like, all right, well the iMac's there, you know, we could run it off all of that and then get rid of the Mac mini. But the nice thing about the Mac mini is it's quiet. You know, it's, it's small, like it's, it sucks up like zero power, you know, when it's idle. So, and like I said, it's doing so much more. It's just nice to have something that's right next to the router, hardwired in, just kind of running the house when we're not around. Yeah, no, it it totally makes sense. And I I do like having the Mac mini. It's something that, 
you know, for now I don't have an iMac at home. I'm portable with a laptop. And so it is something that having the Mac mini at home gives me something that is a, you know, a, a dedicated, you know, desktop quote unquote that is at home, which is nice. Um, but it is something that if I was to get an iMac at some point, I think, um, if I went away from the, the notebook lifestyle, I probably would get rid of the back mini. I just don't know that I would need it then. And I would enjoy the power that the desktop has over the mini because especially, and Adam, you know, this, the, my mini's long in the tooth and I think probably so is yours. So that's something that, um, you know, it, it's due for an upgrade for sure. And if I was going to spend the, the money, I probably would want to spend on it to make sure that it's going to last, you know, another, you know, five to 10 years, then I need to spend some, some dough on it to kind of upgrade it and get flash storage. You don't have to throw money on this problem. Like I know you said, you, you you've said this. Yes. My Mac mini is older than yours. And I'll tell you this is that I still have a Mac mini running snow leopard at my mom's house, which serves up all of the iTunes content to her Apple TV and devices. And it works. It still works. So that's a 2006 Mac mini Intel core duo, not even able to run like, you know, 10, seven, it's still running 10, six. And I put an SSD in it and it runs just fine. Right. So I think in total, what I've spent to upgrade like my Mac mini. So when I got it, you know, I got it for the base price, whatever the lowest end Mac mini was. And then I waited a couple months. And then when SSDs went on sale, I bought a 128 gig SSD, threw an SSD in there, which cost me, I think it was 50 bucks at the time, whatever it was when they had like some crazy sale on an SSD. And then I put in eight gigs of Ram at one point, which I think it was only like $40. Cause you know, what are you going to, what do you really need this, this thing to be powered for? I mean, it's sitting there running headless. It's not doing a bunch of stuff. I've never maxed out on the memory on it. And the only time I've ever really taxed it is when I ran a couple virtual machines on it that I wanted to, you know, kind of remote into whenever I, whenever I needed to, I just wanted them always running. So you don't have to throw money at this problem. Like having it being headless doesn't need to do a lot of stuff. Like you throw an SSD in that thing, which I'm assuming yours doesn't have an SSD, but you throw even a 128 gig SSD just for the internal boot drive on there, which is more than enough to run that and all the applications, dude, like you're rock solid. Like there's, there's nothing that thing can't handle. Yeah. I'm, I'm running the, uh, 5,400, you know, 500 gig drive. So it's, 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 it's feeling dude, you could throw $50 at this problem and it would go away. 50 bucks. That's it. I even, I might even have like a leftover SSD that I could mail to you. <laughs> A leftover SSD. You just you just have a, a a couple of them laying around. Well, that's the thing is like every time you upgrade something, you're left with something else, right? So, like I have a bunch of 2.5 inch hard drives. I have a bunch of 3.5 inch hard drives. Like I have a collection of stuff. So, as you take something out of one device, you end up putting whatever that thing was in another device. So, I have I think a MacBook Pro that you know we barely use that has an SSD in it. So I could take the SSD out of that and throw it down there, but. I think with the Mac Minis, depending on which year it is, it has to be the the five millimeter height. And I think I only have the seven millimeter, so you might be screwed there. But dude, like if you look, you could probably score a one twenty eight gig, you know, crucial SSD, you know, for less than seventy bucks on Amazon. Yeah, I know. I know the money that needs to be spent is not too bad. I mean, probably for it's 100- only one pair of shorts. 
Only one pair. <laughs> Only one pair of shorts. Yeah, the, the, we're just going to start bargaining in uh, Lulu, Lululemon shorts. Like, oh, for two pair of shorts, you could have. <laughs> Dude, for two pairs of shorts, you could get a lot of stuff for your Lululemon, you know, like fancy shorts. I mean, I couldn't give you five pairs of shorts of mine to equal one pair of shorts of yours. Yeah, very, very true. Very true. Do you have anything else to add to uh, consumption of information? Any other uh, categories or thoughts, Adam? Well, I, I think the movie one, like I kind of took over that one because, like you said, you don't watch anything. But I'm curious, like, has Plex been good to you? Like, there, are, like, this is you know something that lots of podcasts and lots of people have talked about before. But like, I've never been on the Plex team, so or the Plex side of things. So I've I've never really known what life has been like on Plex. Like, how is life on Plex, Lou? Is it okay? Are things doing well? Like, I mean, I personally love it. I, although I, I should say with a little degree of like asterisks, um, I don't know, Plex, when they did their like Plex pass thing, and there was some time, I don't know, years and years ago that they offered like Plex pass lifetime subscription. And I think I paid like 50 bucks for it. And I I don't know how expensive it is now, but I think it's maybe one hundred and fifty. One pair of shorts now. Yeah, exactly. And so that was years ago, and I think it's like one hundred and fifty now or something. But anyway, um, I haven't paid for it in like what six or seven years, and I can access it outside the house and stream and download for offline and do all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I love the algorithm that it that it essentially whatever you know scraping engine thing they have that that does its magic where I just essentially name said movie or TV show, put it in a folder and it will figure out, you know, ratings and, and, you know, cast and, and pull the trailer in and, and the summary and, and all the graphics are, are, are in there. It, it's, it's just so nice for organizational stuff. So it makes the library look amazing. And, um, streaming wise, I don't really have any major issues with it. Um, it does you know, pretty good that way. Um, considering it's running on the 5,400 RPM drive too. like, I mean, essentially that's where all the uh, content is and it's got a, uh, well, the content's on the external, but you know, it's, it's the Plex client itself is living on the 5,400 RPM drive. And, um, I think all the transcoding is just basically happening there. So I think it does decently well considering. Yeah. I've, I've come close to using Plex a couple times. I think I've come as far as actually like installing it on the Mac mini, but never actually setting up the library. So I don't really see a need for me to use it. Um, just because like I said, the only thing that we really have the local stuff for is like the Disney movies and everything else we're, we're consuming via subscription. Like we don't really watch the local movies as much. It's mainly the kids that do. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, another thing for another day, but I mean, there's so much media out there that, it's it's hard to consume it all. I think you have to learn to let go a little bit, but I don't have anything else to add for consuming information. Okay, fair enough. So uh, I guess we should uh, wrap this one up. And um, I, I guess one thing I put in the uh, wrap-up section here was I kind of have a mental goal or one that I, I guess I'd say I'm ready to revisit. And that is I want to try to quote unquote run and I'm putting some air quotes around that a 10 K. Um, and I, my goal is to like maybe look at doing this either in the fall or in the spring of next year, because it's something that usually that's when these races are going on. There's 
there are some over the summer, but it's, it's not super common. It's usually a fall or spring kind of thing. Um, and so I, I definitely want to look into which race I want, but I did do one of these before. So I should say I have done this before. So, okay. You, you, you sugarcoated the whole thing. So in the notes here, it says Lou wants to try and run a, a 10 K dot, dot, dot again. So it says, try and run. So my question would to you was, and we talked about this a little bit already, so it's just rehashing the same thing, but it's like, is the keyword or the air quotes around try or are the air quotes around run? Like which, which air quotes are we putting around which word? So I guess I should say, um, the try because it's not going to be a run continuously. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be able to sustain, what is it like 6.2 miles of continuous running? No, I won't do that. If I can luckily get through like even, you know, a mile of continuous running, I'd be happy. Um, but okay. So the quotes are around the run then, cause you're going to try like you're not, <laughs> there's no, there's no air quotes or any, you know, ambiguity around that. You're going to try, but you're going to quote unquote run a 10 K. Yeah. So I have a little uh, comedy story about uh, the last time I did this. I, the last time I did a 10 K I was gifted the option to do a 10 K as a birthday present. Um, and the 10 K was for Disneyland, like running through Disney. And um, so I did the whole Disneyland run and um, I did it nonetheless in a Tinkerbell skirt. Um, but it was just like a not so uh, pleasant experience. Like, first of all, one, don't ever what, the skirt or the run, the, the run. Um, and first of all, don't ever give anybody a run as a gift. That just, that just seems terrible to me. But like as somebody who is not like, I don't know, maybe if you're a marathon runner, give them a run as a gift, but I don't want it. Like, no, I want to like mentally, you know, psych myself out for that and then say, I'm going to go do that. But the run itself it starts at like 5 a.m. because Disney has to open at a logical hour. So it's not like a 7 or 8 a.m. start. It's like, no, we're going to start it at like 5 a.m. So you need to be at the security part at like 4.30. And, you know, that means like wake up at 3.30. And like, oh, it was not fun. So wake up at 3.30. I'm uh, – it's it's no, uh, you know, surprise, Adam, that I, I'm not a small dude – for sure. So, um, when, when I woke up at the hotel, which we stayed at, you know, right next to Disney, um, there was no food. Um, it's three 30 in the morning and had, I had only come down the night before pretty late, uh, because I'd been working in. So what did I have the next morning? Well, I had granola bars were my option. And like, you know, here I am eating like essentially probably 200 calories before I'm going to go on a 10 K run, which, for me, wasn't probably the smartest idea. So I eat these like 200 calorie granola bar things and wait in the corral and start running as we go. And I'm probably about a mile in or so, or maybe a mile and a half, and I'm not feeling too hot. So I'm coming up over the five freeway overpass, and I feel it. And I oh, no. I, I step to the side and. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> um, the good news is this: I felt amazing afterwards. <laughs> I felt a lot. Well, better. you threw up the one thing you had in your stomach. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure, you did. And so uh, I did finish the race, and in a decent time. Um, I don't remember the exact time offhand, um, but yeah, it was. Um, 
it was like uh, it was not a pleasurable experience to start. Like being as big of a guy as I am, I, I need something of sustenance to be in my in my stomach before I go do something like that. Like I can't run that empty, and I can't run it on two hundred calories. I need like a you know maybe a five hundred calorie breakfast would be a good idea because I'm about to go burn a lot. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you ran on it empty because, you know, you threw up the 200 calories that you had and then you finished the race. So, yeah, pretty much. I essentially ran on it empty, which, you know, probably would have been the better thing to do from the start. But, you know, that that's a whole nother discussion. You know, I, I want picks because, I mean, like, I'm going to say picks or it didn't happen. But, uh, like, I want picks of you on the side, hunched over, like, on this overpass in a Tinkerbell skirt, just hurling, like, Whoa! So I have pics of me in the Tinkerbell skirt. I don't because of the way it happened and like the 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 way we were running, like the group I was with of like five people, um, they all kept running and just thought I was like slowing down as we were going up over the overpass. And so they didn't really realize that like, yeah, he's not doing good. And they <laughs> they just like kept running and they when they got over the overpass on the other side, which you know, I mean it's not terribly long. They're maybe only a couple hundred feet ahead of me at this point. They're like, Hey, we don't see Lou. Maybe we should like stop or, you know, slow down. And you know, it wasn't really long doesn't take you long to throw up like 200 calories but yeah i threw that up and was like okay i feel a lot better i'm gonna did you catch up slowly oh yeah yeah i did it just took me a little bit to kind of um i walked you know the first like maybe 100 150 feet again and then i was like okay i think i'm like jog and worked my way back up and caught caught up to them so it, it took a little bit of time but i caught back up to them so you're breathing all heavy, like oh, it smells like barf over here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was. Uh, it what was... happened to you, Lou? Oh no! And then I went and ate like an obscene amount of food afterwards for breakfast. Oh, see, like, yeah, <laughs> this is the thing. I did my cycle bar workout, and then I had two double doubles. Like Lou, Lou, the math, the math, like crunch the numbers, man. Like that's 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 not that's not that's not crunching correctly. <laughs> Hey man, the numbers just have to work out to zero, right? Like what goes no, in? No, the numbers to- <laughs> don't have to work out to zero. I mean, if you want to stay, then yeah, sure, the numbers work out to zero. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know, I'm just I like remember I told you I work out so I can eat more, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's your your mo. Work out to maintain your eating eating goals. That's that's my logic, man. I I like to eat, and therefore I need to work out more so that I can eat what I want to eat. Oh man. Crazy. Well, that, that's that's good. I, I'm sure everyone would love to see you in a picture or in a Tinkerbell skirt. So please, please, please share that. I, I will share it. So in in other news, now that we've gone through my uh, escapades of uh, of exercise, uh, Adam, uh, you have some news to share as well on your uh, exercise front. Yeah. So this is my version of a, a not so humble brag, but. Um, since uh since november since we started you know kind of doing this whole workout thing um i've lost uh 30 pounds as of as of the other day so my my humble brag of you know you're not following your equation of equaling as much as i eat as as much as i work out uh has led me to actually like kind of get close to a healthy weight again so i still have like five pounds to go by before i think i i go out of the overweight category which feels insane to me because I'm like, dang, I was like, I was way out of shape then. Um, but for my height, like, I think I should be like hovering around like 
170, 165, and I'm at like 182 right now. So I still got a little ways to go, but uh, but it feels good. So that's my not so humble brag. Um, that my goofboarding at work and my cycle training at home and my lifting weights and stuff and not eating crazy amounts of double doubles or granola bars or insert fatty food here is kind of paying off. Well, congratulations, man. That's, that's awesome. Uh, do, do you actually burn an appreciable amount of calories at all on the goofboard? You know, it's, it's kind of more of a, just, just for fun thing. Like I don't start a workout or anything when I do it. So I can't tell you that I'm, you know, losing a bunch of weight, but it is challenging my like, you know, balance and everything. So I'm sure I'm burning more than I would just be standing there, but probably not enough to consist of, let's say a workout's worth. I definitely burn more on the cycle and doing weight training than I do just messing around on the goof board. And most of the time I'm trying to get to, you know, just being able to do that and multitask. It's kind of, you know, just sitting there, you know, cruising around while actually doing work. So that's kind of where I want to get to. And then same thing, like if I, I do plan on getting another goof board for home, when I get one for home, that'll just be like, cool, turn something on the TV and then hang out on the goof board for like half an hour, right? And that'll kind of get, you know, get the legs heated up and just kind of get get my balance back in check. Got it. Also, this picture, you're the only one with the pink tutu. That's not a Tinkerbell tutu. Tinkerbell is more pink. Yeah, well, um, I when when they were making the tutus, they were like, "Hey, so do you just want a green tutu?" And I'm like, well, "No, if I'm gonna do this in a tutu, it better be pink." I mean, come on, let's let's. So now you're Rosetta, you know the uh, the fairy who, oh man, she has some southern accent. I think she's always got the vapors, or you know, you you I've never seen Tinkerbell. I assume, right? Yeah, no this this is this is all lost on me. Rosetta is the garden fairy. Tinkerbell's a tinker. So you got your garden fairies, you got your fast flying fairies, you got your water fairies, you got your light fairies. So you're a garden fairy, Lou. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot. I guess I'm a garden fairy. Uh, this is what I learned today. <laughs> I definitely didn't learn this. Today I learned. Today I learned. I dress as a garden fairy for my Tinkerbell run. It was it was it was a good run. Otherwise, though, I, I have to say it was a decent run. Um, so there was one last thing here, Adam, about uh, creating time time lapses uh, on the Mac. What, what what is this all about? Yeah, so um, kind of we were talking the other day, and there was something I wanted to kind of create a time lapse for, just to kind of share with you. It's kind of of like the workflow I have when going through like editing and stuff like that. So I was doing a quick search. I'm like, well are there any good like time-lapse apps out there? And I did some searching and it was kind of like, well, yeah, sure. You can pay, you know, $30 for this. I'm like, okay, well, it seems kind of stupid, you know, to pay something, pay for something with, which I could easily create, right? So I ended up throwing a, a little Apple script together, um, which is essentially just a bash script, which basically calls the screenshot command silently, saves it to a folder every three seconds. And then I just stitch those all together with a FFmpeg. Um, and if I want to get fancy, I could throw it into iMovie. But but basically, you know, I was looking for something on how to create a time-lapse set on the Mac, but I ended up just writing a script to basically throw everything into a folder and just name it with the date, right? So it's all ordered um, sequentially. And then go through that and just throw it all together into a movie, you know, where every clip is displayed for, I think it's... Um, a fraction of a second. So I think I'm at like 0.1 seconds, a tenth of a second. So 
it gets played there. So then, boom, you have a time lapse. So I just kind of wanted to share that. What is your script written in? Uh, the script is an Apple script. Um, I, I had originally written it in Bash, uh, but I ended up moving it to Apple script for, for some reason because I think I wanted it as a service that I could just kind of run from the scripts menu. So it's Apple script, but honestly, the, the actual like meat of it, which is, you know, just running the screen capture, it's such a simple loop. It's just, you know, like a repeating loop. It's just an endless loop that I break when I want to stop. <laughs> so the uh, the actual command is the shell script command, but the wrapper is Apple script. Got it. That's cool. Um, do you use Keeper Maestro or anything like that ever? Uh, so Keyboard Maestro is one of the things that is on my list of things to buy, but I haven't bought. So... Got it. It's definitely something that I've kind of learned a little bit more about recently, and and it seems super powerful to the point that I'm like, I don't know, I might put that on my to buy too. Yeah, it's it's been on my list for a long time, and I hear people talk about it. Like I'll listen to you know Mac Power users, and they'll talk about it all the time. Like keyboard mice was great, you know, like controlling all these things, you know, just with a couple keystrokes. I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get it. Um, but most of the stuff that I can do, like I can work my way through an automator and create a service for it and then map that service to a shortcut. And with text expander, you know, I can do a lot more of the stuff that I want to as well. Uh, if I'm doing any form of like expansion, things like that, but it would be nice to control some of the things. It's just, I haven't found the need to get it right. Like that $30 price tag or whatever it is, like I haven't gotten there. So at least the last time I looked at it and usually I'll look at the wish list of apps, you know, at least once a month. So who knows, maybe the next, next time since we talked about it, I'll give it another peek and see, but I doubt it. It'll be in my purchase list anytime soon. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, anything else for this week? No, man, I'm good. Uh, thank you for sending the picture of you in the tutu. Yeah. I don't know if you can uh, find a way to weave that in, but, uh, weave it in if you can, if not, uh, the, the listeners will just have to imagine Lou in the tutu. Well, there's this great thing called Twitter, and I'll just tweet it to everyone, you know? Oh, how nice of you. Yep, you're welcome. All right, guys. Well, uh, keep uh, rating us if you can on uh, Apple Podcasts. That's uh, really helping us hopefully get a little further up in the results and uh, getting us a little more exposure. So we definitely thank you for that. And uh, check us out online at CG. Uh, FM cast on Twitter. And uh, of course, uh, refer us to any of your friends too. That would, that'd be a big help. Yeah. Tell a friend if you like listening, which we like, you know, making this podcast. So let a friend know. And, you know, we have some exciting things coming up in the next, uh, in the foreseeable future. So yeah, tell a friend, rate us on iTunes, tell a friend to rate us on iTunes. Like that's really the best way to get some visibility on the podcast. And, we thank you to all the people who have already done that. Yeah, definitely spread the consumption of information, right? Yeah, man. There's no better way. Consume all of our info. I'll give it all to you. Consume it all. I'll give you all my ones and zeros. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of getting into that uh, me too, man. It's kind of pushing the boundaries. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable with you saying take it all. <laughs> Ka
because this the guy that's in there, Danny, he's from Game Grumps. And what? Where they what, just, what, you know, do Let's Plays. What, what, what is that? <laughs> Game Grumps? Yeah, what is that? Oh, it's just uh, two guys who uh, do, like, play video games and do kind of, like, improv comedy while they're doing it. It's pretty, it's pretty entertaining. Like, they have okay. a best of the year uh, on their, on their, like, channel. So uh, if you go to the Sex Party, you'll see Game Grumps, you know, because they're on there. But if you go to the Game Grumps, you know, YouTube page, and then just kind of, like, watch their, you know, recommended section, it's pretty funny. I mean, if you're into video games, it's funny because they play video games and Aaron, the other guy, he gets really pissed really easily and he screams a lot, which is kind of funny. But they go through all sorts of stuff. Like, they talk about Sonic, um, like, fan fiction, which is, like, erotic fan fiction with Sonic the Hedgehog and, like, Peach from, you know, Mario. <laughs> it gets out there. What's, uh, what about Dogpile? Remember Dogpile? Dang, Dogpile is still a thing. Oh my god, Dogpile is still a thing, and it's glorious. I, I, I recall the name, but I don't recall what it does. Oh, it's just a web search. It's just, what is the advantage of that one versus any of the others? Well, back in the day, you know, when web crawlers, there weren't that many of them. Dogpile was one of, like, I don't know, it was just the one that we would go to all the time, before Google kind of, like, took over everything. Oh... Yeah, tired. Yeah, dude. Well, we're gonna lose an hour of sleep tonight. The yeah, fuck? I know. I was like, I was like, I have to cycle bar workout in nine hours, which is really now eight hours. <laughs> I'm like, do yeah, I man. really do? I really want to go to that tomorrow morning? I don't know. Dude, I gotta wake up an hour earlier to get my goddamn croissant. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. If I go out the normal time, they'll probably all be sold out. <laughs>